welcome to another episode of Practice What You Teach, a weekly teacher podcast. My name is Mr. Hare, and I am joined with my two co-hosts, the best co-hosts I could do this podcast with, Mr. Lumpkin Yo. and Mr. Moreland. Hello. I'd like to let you know what we're going to talk about today. Before I do that, I want to say, make sure you're following us at our Twitter account, which is at PWUT Podcast or PWUT Podcast. Now, we're going to talk about a couple of different things this week. First and foremost, we're going to bring up our news stories of the week that we want to talk about. We're going to talk about some news here at Manassas Park High School. And then we're going to talk about the poll. We have some poll results for you that I'm very excited to hear about. From there, we're going to talk about sports for the week. We want to then, from there, we're going to skip club updates. We're not going to have any club updates this week. We are then going to dive deep into those news stories and into our burning question. So first things first, I want to catch up with everybody. Mr. Lumpkin, I know you're a little under the weather, but other than that, how are you feeling? I've been doing great. I just got my, uh, I've got my approval to be able to take the honeymoon that I'm looking forward to in February with my wife. Congratulations. Scotland. I'm so excited. Other than that, it's been a, it's been a week. I'm glad we're getting into November, and yeah, today's just been today's been hitting me a little bit hard. So if I seem a little ragged, all my students were kind of excited, saying I sound like a, a very tough anime character earlier. So we'll hope my my voice doesn't go back to that. But uh, we're here. You sound like a regular Taguro from Yu Yu Hakusho. <laughs> Mr. Moreland, it's been a wonderful week. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's the last day of quarter one, so I'm kind of drained. But other than that, I mean, it's it's been a pretty good day. All the students were working hard to get everything turned in. Had some pretty great projects. One of the students in our fourth block class uh, had a rap that he made about the great Gatsby that he performed. So some pretty good projects that were uh, submitted today. So That sounds amazing. I know that today being the first day of November, uh, we are starting to really roll into the meat of the school year. Uh, I've been having a great week. Uh, as always, we've got lots of stuff going on in physics and engineering. And so this week we're building pinball machines in our engineering class. So they are very excited about that. And they've got some really great ideas. From there, I, I really want to jump into uh, what's going on with our sports. There's no football game this week, but volleyball did play yesterday being October 31st. And Mr. Lumpkin, you said they won, right? Yeah, it was seniors night. And from what I had heard, and from, I didn't get a chance to go out. I've been to so bad, but being Halloween. Of course. It was tough. But I believe they won last night and they did pretty well from all the things I'm hearing. Everyone was really excited. Sounds like I missed out. It's awesome. It's always good to hear when our when our uh, teams are doing well. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that there was uh, a lot of stuff going on with indoor track. So if you're interested in indoor track, please reach out to Coach Porman and Coach Straka. They are looking for people to run indoor track this winter. Mm -hmm. So I do want to get right into our news stories this week. Mr. Moreland, what, what, do you what do you have for us? What's the good news? Well, if anybody who has been paying attention to the World Series knows. We had a World Series? What yes. And the what happened? Washington Nationals. <laughs> Wait, the same Washington Nationals that play in Washington, D.C.? That's right. Right down the road up there, up north of Ovet, uh, won the World Series. They beat the Houston Astros. Congratulations, mm -hmm. Washington Nationals. But that's not the story that I'm going to talk about. The story that I'm going to talk about has to do with the fans. Okay, the so tell me about these fans. So Astros baseball fans take out big ad in the Washington Post thanking opponents for their hospitality. This is before game seven. So it wasn't after they won. It was before the last game. Is that after they were playing the home games here and then sent, uh, went home for their last home game in uh, Houston, right? Yes. So for some reason, this has been a very strange World Series because no team won at home. 
the entire series. I saw that. So the Washington Nationals won four away games to win the World Series. Yes, and the Astros won their three games in D.C. That's amazing. And so even though the Nats did not win the home games, there was no animosity towards the Astros fans. The Astros fans said that they were you know, treated with kindness and hospitality. Nobody, you know, did anything crazy or, you know, rash. It was a very friendly atmosphere. And they, they took out the ad in the paper before game seven to thank the Nats fans, basically saying, hey, whether win or lose, you know, we just want to tell you we appreciate your hospitality while we were in D.C. And I think it's a testament to, you know, the fans in, in D.C. to begin with. I mean, they're, they were, you know, hospitable to the Astros fans, even though they didn't want the Astros to win, of course. It's just a game, and it just goes to show that, you know, people can get together and enjoy a sporting event without having any, you know, vitriol just because your team's shirt is different than our team's shirt. So That's really good news to hear, and I'm really happy for the Nationals. This is the first championship since 1924 mm -hmm. in baseball for Washington, D.C., so this is great news. And it's the first one for this specific club. The, Correct. The Washington Senators that used to be the team moved. They're now the Minnesota Twins. Yes, and this team that we have in, in D.C. now was formerly the Montreal Expos. I remember when they were a team. Yes. So that's great news. Thank you for sharing that good news with us, Mr. Moreland. Mr. Lumpkin, I heard you had something you want to talk about. What's going on? So people that have been listening for a while might remember back a couple a couple episodes ago, I yep. think two or three episodes ago, we talked about if the Internet was broken or not we did and we talked a little bit about well some of the negatives and some of the positives and how we have the freedom of the internet and even though people can be uh less amicable sometimes when they have animosity so absolutely not online that for the most part we were saying that the internet is functioning as intended even if there ends up being some negatives well russian law currently this week even though they've been taking a little bit more of the internet a little bit more of the internet uh privileges away they finally went through this past week i believe uh, if I remember correctly, I think it was yesterday, where the Russian law finally went through, giving government sweeping power over the Internet. It finally took effect. So now the government, from one post all the way up to one site to in, even uh, the import of a series of like servers or websites or information from different countries, can now be turned on or turned off without any other outside influence other than the government deciding whether or not they wanted to do that. So... It's a very interesting, different take on the control and the spread of information. Uh, I suppose, and from from an American perspective, that looking at Russians, it's probably like, oh, is this silly Russians doing all their things, taking control of the the information going in and out? But realistically, looking at it from a more objective standpoint, it's an interesting way to take control over this pattern of information that people are spreading back and forth and being able to have a different handle on it. I think it's very interesting to see how that goes, even though we've seen other examples of internet control being uh, fairly negative. I think it'll be interesting to see how this turns out for them. Absolutely. And I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm interested to see how that's going to play out with the rest of, uh, say, Europe and the rest of the world. If countries start turning the internet on and off, where is that going to lead to? China, as Mr. Mullen has pointed out, has been doing that for years, yeah. just deciding, you know what, no internet for you anymore. But could you imagine here in America if they said, guess what, you want to get on the internet? No more internet. Uh, what, what, kind of, what kind of pandemonium would that cause? Um, we didn't used to have the internet. So, I mean, I, I think you, I myself, and Mr. Mr. Lumpkin didn't have yeah. the internet. But yeah, but the, the students would probably be pretty upset about it. We, would, we wouldn't have a problem with the cell phones, so that would be, you know, but of course I'm just joking. And I mean, it's it's interesting because I think the United States ceded control of the internet 
uh, and that's probably what led to this kind of thing being able to, to happen. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest problem, even though we're not necessarily a perfect country, uh, we do tend to err on the side of freedom more often than other countries do. So by abdicating control of the internet to the world, for lack of a better word, uh, we have now allowed the world in and the world doesn't always agree with freedom. And freedom or just our perspectives in general. Yeah. So we see a lot of disconnect between like what we expect to be our freedom versus what someone considers what should mm -hmm. be their freedom. Correct. And so that's what happens. You get too many chefs in the kitchen and now all of a sudden this the stew is is not as good as it used to be. So yeah, I think we've something we're going to have to keep an eye on. If you would like to maintain a free and clear internet, you've got to keep an eye on it, or exactly. else it'll stop being that. Uh, I wanted to turn directly to science. Uh, I read this story, and I, as a personal aside, I'm very interested in the graviton. The graviton is a theoretical particle that was theorized by uh, Dr. Einstein and his theory of relativity back in the uh, turn of the around the twenty turn of the twentieth century, the 1920s. Uh, we have found gravitational waves, which is one step closer to finding the graviton, which is a particle which would transmit the gravitational force. We don't know where it is, when it'll show up, or if we're ever going to find it. But we do know is that if we do find it, we have an upper limit of the mass of this, this particular particle. And through some extraordinarily amazing calculations that have been done, uh, the using planetary motion, we've been able to find out what that limit would be. And we have, we have found that it must be bigger than 6.76 times 10 to the minus 23 electron volts per C squared. So what that really means is, if you think of it this way, the rest mass of an electron is 0.511 mega electron volts, which is a very large number compared to this very small number. And that means that the graviton is nearly massless which would make sense because it's transmitting what we would consider to be the force of gravity. So it's really interesting to see that through some incredible uh, LIGO radio telescope work, we've been able to find out what the up, the lower limit of what this mass of this particle could be. And I was interested in it and I wanted to share that with everybody. Oh, I appreciate it. That's definitely very interesting because the way that gravity was always explained to me, even though I never delved anywhere near as deep in physics as you did, the way that gravity is always explained to me is thinking of this plane where everything's being pushed in and understanding the actual gravitational forces that actually work within the atoms, within the actual elements. That's very interesting to me, and I, I, it's a hard thing to wrap my head around. I would love to see more work coming out of that. And could this lead itself. to anti-gravity technology? That's a hope. Uh, it's really exciting because if we have a better understanding of the actual carrier of the force of gravity, we might be able to, like Mr. Mullen is pointing out, we can manipulate it. And Mr. Lumpkin's explanation of how space-time is understood is, is absolutely spot on. So we don't quite know if it's out there yet. What we do know is the lower limit of the mass of the particle, which gives us kind of the floor of where to start looking. And a lot of times we never really talk about the in-between discovery that leads us to the big discovery. This may be that key that opens that door to greater understanding. And I'm, I, for one, am very excited. So with all that being said and the news out of the way, I wanted to get to our burning question. Uh, it's election day is coming up soon. It's this Tuesday, November 5th. So make sure you get out there and cast your vote. But I wanted to ask if you could change the electoral system in America, how would you do it? And Mr. Moreland, I know you had a great idea. I really want you to bring that out because I'm excited. Yeah, it's a little bit far-fetched, but uh, my plan was instead of having 
the same old candidates come out. I mean, I don't think the candidates for either party are necessarily what people would necessarily want. It's just the people who raised their hands and said, let me jump in the ring. So instead of having that kind of a system, I think instead you could have, if you want to make it the party system, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the party system to be honest, but you could even have like an independent option. So if you're registered as a Democrat or registered as a Republican and then registered as an independent or non-affiliated, we could have five people randomly selected in the nation who are what, 35 or older, isn't that the- uh, For president, yes sir. President. Yes, 30 sir. and older for representatives and senators. Randomly selected to be in the primary instead of having those people you know, nominated or nominate themselves, which is usually what happens. They would be five randomly selected people that would just come from everyday life. They wouldn't be, you know, necessarily politicians. They wouldn't necessarily be lawyers or, you know, the typical people who run, but just everyday Americans. And from that group, the citizenry would vote, whittle those people down to the one candidate for one independent, one Republican, one Democrat, whatever we, however you want to do it. And they would run. And instead of having people who run for president who want to run, which usually there's, you know, ulterior motives for that, we'd have three people running who are running specifically because it's a requirement. So it's a civic duty, not only to vote, but to run for president if you're qualified and if you're selected. Kind of like jury duty is what uh, Mr. Harris said when we talked about this off, off air. Mm-hmm. And I think that would not only force people to become more active in the, in the process, but also we'd get more, you know, new ideas. We get differing opinions about things. We get like more, it's, you'd get yeah. a significantly big diversity compared to what you see right now. So if you know that it's going to be within these certain conditions and being able to select randomly, you're definitely going to see a bigger range of people with different backgrounds and different experiences be able to go forward. And I think that's a really good reflection or a really good response to really a lot of the fatigue. I feel like most uh, Americans are feeling towards the political system right yeah. now, especially for the candidates. And you, you would at least know that the representatives you have in government have a better idea of, of the common man rather than just, you know, what we see is, mm-hmm. is basically overlords that we have right now. People who are on the upper echelon of society looking down and telling people from, you know, on the middle class or the, or the lower class what's best for them. That's not what the intention was of the founding fathers to begin with. I'm not sure if anybody's familiar with uh, the noblesse oblige principle. They were required uh, in the colonial times, rich people were required to be the governor, you know, the, the statesman, but they didn't get paid for it. And it had a lot of responsibility and it wasn't seen as something they could use to gain power. It was seen as something that was a, an obligation. It was seen as something that was, a, you know, something you had to do because it was what was best for society. And I think if everybody had that noblesse oblige, then people would actually care more about the situation and, and, you know, things that are going on in this country. And they'd actually pick people that they thought would do the best job, not just the person who's, you know, the most charismatic or the most popular. I do want to give a point of correction. Uh, You have to be 25 years or older to be a uh, House of Representatives, a congressman. You have to be 30 years or older to be a senator. You must be 35 years or older to be the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do apologize, give some incorrect information mm-hmm. there. But I think your idea is brilliant. I, I think that compulsory service to your country can come in many forms. Mm-hmm. And I think that serving in the House of Representatives or the Senate or as president, if we could find a way to get more people involved, we can get out of some of this uh, malaise where people, oh, I'm not going to go vote. It doesn't matter. 
I, I think that was a good idea. Oh, yeah. Have many people go in that way. Of course, that would also require term limits for congressional uh, candidates as well, which that's kind of interesting. I always thought that was kind of a pipe dream because in order for that to happen, they themselves would have to vote on that, yeah. which sure. seems kind of, you know, not a good idea, but, you know, it's maybe just not the to themselves. Yeah. But they also get to vote on their own salaries, which is kind of, you know, not exactly preferable. They do have a they do have a constitutional amendment for that. Yes. But I do see what you're saying. <laughs> Mr. Lumpkin, if you had any changes, what would they be? Well, mine wasn't anywhere near as severe as well, not severe, I shouldn't say as significant or as big of a switch uh, as Mr. Wallace was suggesting, because I have very smaller dreams. But I, for me, I've always found it very interesting or at least very uh Odd to me, maybe I just don't personally understand why we don't have a popular vote. We have this vote for Congress, for either president or for congressman based on districts, right? That are separated out based on uh, guidelines that are made up by the people that we're voting for. Yep. And I don't understand a lot of that because I'm told that, okay, if we have this system where we were running off of districts and we're running off of the points from those districts, we're able to vote for and be able to care, count for every out the, the everyday man. But then we have issues like gerrymandering. We have issues with people being able to decide who is going to vote for them and where they're going to live. And based on the way that society is run, I don't believe that's a popular way or a proper way of doing things. Sure. So for me, I would I, I would just believe that popular vote should be the one that would actually make the decisions because the majority of people being able to vote for or convince the majority of people seems like a much more straightforward, logical way of going for it as opposed to what I suppose would be the communities, but the communities that are decided based on someone drawing a map, not the actual communities themselves. I think it's a good idea. One of the things that uh, is kind of an important task is making sure that the voters are picking the representatives and the representatives are not picking their voters. Exactly. I, I do agree with you completely there. I, I think gerrymandering in general is something that's got to change. Uh, the fact that they shape the districts in a way, the, the fact that they you know, they're trying to make sure, well, you know, we want to make sure that no one is getting excluded, but then they carve a line and a sand doesn't exist. I think that is something we have to take another look at the way we allocate those, the way we put those together. That's why next year, the census in 2020, that's a big deal. Make sure that you're paying attention and filling out your census paperwork for 2020. That way we can get accurate count of all of other people in the United States. And that way we can set accurate representation for people in the United States. Mm -hmm. My, my issue with the popular vote, though, is only on a, on a national level. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I that, mean, that's really where that mostly comes into play, because you're dealing with that many people on that diverse of a scale. Yeah, yeah, and that's why we have a lot of people have complaints about the Electoral College. But I think it's in place because if it wasn't, there are some states that are so large in population well, that the candidates would just have to go to those states mm -hmm. and campaign there. And then they could just say, well, I don't really care what the people in these states think because there's not enough people to affect the vote. And that's why I think the Electoral College is, is in place. It's to give every, every state a say. So technically, the, it is the popular vote. It is popular vote. But it's the popular point. vote reflected by each state. So each state has the candidates that they have. They're voted by each state's people. That popular vote chooses how many electoral candidates vote. And then that leads to the Electoral College. So in a way, it is already set up that way. But I, I do agree, gerrymandering is pretty, pretty ridiculous. You see some of the maps, there's like counties that are split where there's like one part of the county is like all the way to the side of the state and it's still the same county as the one that's on the other side. It's just, just carve it up the way that it should be carved up, like by cities, by counties, whatever. Yeah, by the communities that are yeah. actually there and the communities that are actually connected as opposed to 
making it up as you go for whatever reasons, whether it be ulterior or just because someone was lazy that day and felt like that was a cool shape to put on the map. Yeah. And then it, yeah. that always changes too. Like once every, every so often, every decade, yeah, yeah, once every 10 years, then whoever's in control can basically carve it out and try to make sure that power stays with them. And that's another reason why I have a problem with the party system because it's not yeah. supposed to be about the will of this party or that party. It's supposed to be the will, the will of the people. And when you hand over power to parties like that, it's, it's not good for anybody because then you're not voting for a candidate who you can rely on and you can depend on. You're voting for a party. Right. So I, I agree with you completely. Uh, I, I think the electoral college, I think has many issues. Mm. I don't think that if you get rid of it, that it'll become this idea of, well, I only need to go to places here. I think more States would have to be getting, get involved. I think now, you know, we have the States with a lot of electoral votes, get a lot of attention, the states that don't have so many don't get a lot of attention. And I think that to change that, get rid of that system, and then it's, you need to go to every state. But if I could make changes uh, to, the, to our electoral system, I think for first of all, I would shorten the, the campaigning season. Oh, for mm -hmm. sure. I think that a year and a half to talk about the election, I mean, we're a year out from our presidential yeah. election and already knee deep in it. And I think that's exhausting. too long. And that can, like you said, it's exhausting. It's hard to keep up with. That's one thing I would change. Um, I would have term limits on all three federal branches of our government, including the uh, Supreme Court. Uh, that's a personal choice that I think needs to be made. We could make that with a con congressional or a constitutional convention. Mm -hmm. If the state, if enough of the states vote on that, it would amend the constitution without having to go through Congress, uh, which would then limit their terms. Um, I don't know what the right answer is for the number of term limits. And if that, and if that's the case, then it all should be one term. Mm -hmm. um, I think another thing we should do is there should be, for example, the way the presidential primaries are going, there's a money aspect. If you don't have this many donors, you can't run for president. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a good idea. I think money should be taken completely out of politics. I don't think corporations should be allowed to give money to, to politicians at all. I don't think I think that that's corporations should not be able to give money to political people. Like that's my opinion. I know it may not be a popular opinion, but since corporations do not get votes, they should not be able to give money. That's my mindset on that. Um, I think we should take money out of the politics and it should all be publicly funded. So everyone gets the same amount of money. And I think that we should make it so that there should be if you are in office, if we're not going to do one term as a term limit, if you are in office, you are not allowed to campaign. I think that your your track record should speak loudly enough and you shouldn't have to go out there and campaign for your job again because you're doing the job. So if you are currently holding office, I don't think you should take any time from holding office to go and campaign for yourself or for other candidates. So that way you can't find a handpicked successor. The people picked successor would pop in. Those are some changes that I would make. I don't know if my changes are the best changes, the right changes, or even good changes. But over my time, that's one thing I would like to see. I would like to see a limiting of terms. I would like to see more people-based initiative in this. So like Mr. Morland's suggestion of having random selectees or, again, people who don't need millions of dollars to run because if every election is federally funded or funded by the government or funded with a very small cap so that you're not getting advertisements from out of your state or out of your district even. You're only getting advertisements from your district. And then if you have an office or hold office, you cannot go and campaign. You have to do the job. And if people think you're doing a great job, then they'll reelect you. 
And if they don't think you're doing a good job, then you won't get reelected. So those are my thoughts. What do you what do you guys think on that? Well, as a bonus thought for me, if you guys want to, you know, amend the Electoral College, we'd have to add another state. But then we could give one electoral vote to every state. And then that would be the, the person who gets the most gets to be president. So 50 percent, 50. Would you get 50 or it'd be like 26? Correct. 26 yeah. 25. Yeah. Yeah. Well, DC has been wanting to be a state for a while. And Puerto Rico. And Puerto Rico. But that would give us 52 if we had both of them. Yep. So we'd have to have an uneven number. Virgin Islands. There we go. Let's get rid of, let's make, let's make all those territory states and let's not. But there's four of them because we'd also have Guam. Oh, crap. <laughs> Somebody's going to get cut. Oh. <laughs> I don't want to make that choice. I no. think, I don't think DC should be a state. That should be a neutral territory. That's my opinion on that. I don't know. I think having DC as a federal district is a great thing, but its population is larger than yes. some states, so we'd have yeah. to we'd have but to I guess consider. the point is like you don't you don't want to go to a state, you know, where people you know where the government is at, mm. knowing that the whole population doesn't like you. So it's like it yeah, just but, makes the job kind of. But hard. the government is in every state. Well, that's true. But like it's supposed <laughs> to be like this is a neutral territory. You know, it's like there's no like you know anger animosity here. This is just where the government does really nice deal. That's so I a guess great idea. either you could yeah. you could either absorb the people into like Maryland or Virginia, the states that gave up territory for DC, and just have like the buildings represent. Well, they've DC. already done that. Uh, the portion of Virginia that was Virginia is now Alexandria, so yeah. they gave that part back. So they should just do the same thing with Maryland. the citizens. Basically, say if you're in DC and you're living in DC and you want to vote, that's fine. Just choose a state, you know, Virginia, Maryland, wherever. Sure. And that that'll be where you vote. You represent that state. Even though you live in D.C., that might be the, the a way to kind of fix that. Problem. Could be. I think it's a good idea, but I, I, there is something about the federal district being the federal district, like yeah. you said. So I don't know. I, I hope we. I don't know what we solved there, but we solved it. Uh, we came up with some pretty good ideas, uh, and and that's all there is to that. So I want to give our final thoughts, Mr. Moreland. Is there anything you want to point out to have the uh, student populace look out for this week? Um. Well, next week's the first week of quarter two and if you didn't do very well in quarter one uh there is some hope depending on how what your grade was i, I try to tell my students i was like listen if even if you didn't get a you know a b or c you still have the potential to pass the course it's just if you get to a certain point it gets a little bit more dire of a situation you know because you have to get an basically have to get an a 100 percent yeah. to pass for some classes if you have a low enough grade and it's just not plausible in some cases. So if you have teachers that are asking you to turn in the work, it's not because you know they're trying to bug you, they're trying to bother you, it's because they know you have the potential to succeed and they just want you to have an easier time with it because you can relax more for quarter, quarter two instead of having all this pressure to get your grade as high as it can be so you can pass. So if you have teachers who still want you to turn in their work, Take them up on it and actually do it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mr. Lumpkin, you got anything you want to point out? I'm going to echo Mr. Moreland a bit here. I like to have the mentality that every day is a new slate for my students. So even if we had a real bad day yesterday, it's a new day. We can fix it and do whatever. And I think that having the new quarter, I like the way that we do the quarters because it ends up being that new slate. I know some people that had, I, I have some of my students had a little bit of a tough first quarter. And that's okay. Even if they, they are starting it off with a little bit of disadvantage, like Mr. Moreland was saying with grades, it's a new time, it's a new day, it's a new, new time to actually get forward and, and change it up. And um, I'm just looking forward to being able to move into that new space and have that, that mentality going forward with my kids. And I hope that they're ready for it too. Awesome. I would say this. Remember that on Sunday, November 3rd, is the end of daylight saving time. So oh, you are right. going to fall back 
one hour, you will get an extra hour of sleep yes. on Sunday this weekend. So I'm hoping everyone gets to look out for that. I'm also going to let everybody know the weather is starting to turn. So try to do everything you can to dress warmly because that cold is going to nip at your heels. Mm -hmm. So with all of that being said, we'd like to thank everyone who came out and listened to us. Don't forget to follow us at our Twitter, which is at PWUT podcast or PWUT podcast. I would like everyone to look out for this week's poll, which we didn't get to the results. Oh. But Mr. Yeah. Moreland's going to let us know what the new poll is. M&M survey. So we're going to ask you what your favorite M&Ms are going to be. That's plain peanut, almond, almond, and caramel. And caramel. They wouldn't. I was overruled. My favorite is <laughs> coconut M&Ms, and no one can find them anymore. So with all that being said, we would love to thank you for listening to us. Thank you. Good night and good luck. <laughs>